So remembering that real estate is a craft, it's a business that, you know, you have to run and it's not just something that you can you can get away with just doing part-time. We're going to come back to seeing realtors have to be realtors and have to be professionals and um, work their, work real estate as a business and not just a side job. And so that's going to be really good for us realtors here, you know, probably 2023, the end of the year, uh, 2024 for sure. Yeah, I, I agree. I feel like it's kind of been the same thing on the lending side as well. I feel like it's just almost been easy money the last couple of years. Again, um, not to the extreme as realtors, but I do feel like the last couple of years, there's been so many new uh, lenders and then so many new loan programs where it seems like there's always a bank out there that, I mean, you can buy a house. I mean, you yeah. just have to find the right bank. It's been kind of weird um, how easy it's been to come across clients. And yeah. and I would say the last probably six months with the rates going up and um, prices, you know, going up as well. Right. Um, you can tell a big difference with just how many lenders there are. You're seeing lenders switching banks. You're seeing, um, like you said, there's not nearly as many agents um, so I'm excited to see what happens moving forward with that. Absolutely. Well, I feel like for you guys, it's kind of, you guys kind of play a creative game. Who can be the most creative? <laughs> yeah. As to where, you know, through, through real estate, we, we stay pretty comparable on realtors, um, as far as what we can do. Um, it really just comes down to how much knowledge your realtor has and how good they are at what they do kind of like what I was just talking about. And I feel like for lending, a lot changed as far as who can get most creative. Um, you saw people, you know, do, hey, if you buy a house now, you can refinance for free in X amount of months. And so it's just how are we getting creative in okay. the lending world to bring people into your your company? Okay. And so, and that kind of starts at the top down, and so if, I mean, that's probably where you see a lot of people changing changing mortgage yep. companies. It's because, you know, one mortgage company may, in their higher-ups, get creative at corporate and say, we're going to run out, you know, this loan program. And every lender in the world that isn't loyal to their company will say, yeah, if that's going to get me more business and if exactly. I can market this new program, I'm going to go there. Yep, That's what I'm going to do. Because yep. at the end of the day, I'm a new loan officer. And what I want to do is I just want to sell homes right now yep. rather than the long run and holding out and knowing that you're at a good company, a loyal company, and not just somebody that's throwing out all these programs to see if they can get a loan processed, you yep. know, this oh, month. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, it's been it's been interesting to watch. And all the it was kind of crazy for a while how many different loan programs were coming out. Like it went from, I think, USDA and VA seemed like they were really the only zero down programs for a while. There are a couple um, in-house programs out there. And then the last couple of years, just out of nowhere, there's so many different options and which I haven't heard much about them, <laughs> um, lately. I don't know if they've gone away. I don't, I don't know what's going on with them, but. Well, I think in just all the banking scare, I think a lot of people have kind of honed in what they're doing. Mm -hmm. Um, I know that there's a local mortgage company that kind of just killed all in-house loans for right now because they realized that they mass produced in-house loans in 2022 trying to get the deal done. And, uh, they're kind of scared. It's coming back to bite them. Oh yeah. And so they've, they've killed any in-house loans as of right now until they can figure out what they're doing. That so kind of discussing just all of the crazy, all that's come from the crazy, we can kind of talk about 
how we got to the crazy, um, how we got to this wild market that we are in. So at the end of the day, real estate comes down to affordability. Yep. What can you afford? You know, that's really what it comes down to. And so whenever interest rates took a dive down to the twos, down to the threes, um, that opened up people's affordability. And so we welcomed thousands and hundreds of thousands of more people into the market because of affordability. More people could afford, more people could afford to pay more. Um, and so that even, you know, even into the investor world, we saw a ton of new investors in 2022, 2021. And that's because people realized that they could afford to, you know, buy an investment, pay 3%, you know, interest rate, buy an investment, pay 2% interest rate. And the same affordability factor is now changing our market once again. So as to where it drove a crazy market, it's now driving a slower market. Um, and right now, so interest rates are going up and it's it's lowering affor- affordability pretty much. So buyers are exiting the market. They aren't wanting to buy right now because it comes down to what they can afford. And so as, I mean, you guys see, you know, interest rates are going up. Um, Less and less buyers. Oh, yes. But with less and less buyers, it we still have a, a little bit of a crazy market. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's kind of, uh, we were just talking about this earlier. I feel like it's we have two different markets or it's kind of separated a little bit. Yeah. So the market right now is definitely, it's like oil and water right around the $300,000 price range. Um if I have a buyer that's, you know, pre-approved for 300000 and under, we're seeing houses first day on market. We're hoping to get in to, to schedule a showing. We're hoping to get an offer in. And we're hoping that, you know, we're going we're gonna to get the home without having to waive any contingencies. But because we have such a low demand in housing still, we have so many buyers in our area that are in that 275 and below price range. So we're still fighting supply and demand. And where this is causing a little bit of an issue for realtors is that we are having to explain two different markets at once. So we have someone that wants to list their house for $400,000, but they they hear that homes are going over asking. Homes are, you know, getting multiple offers, 10 offers. People are waiving inspections. People are waiving appraisals again. But that's not the case for 300 and above. Right now, 300 and above, you're, you're sitting on the market for about a week to two weeks, and you're going to get one to two offers. Um, they still may be good offers because in a normal market before COVID, that was normal for your house to sit for a couple weeks and for you to get a normal offer. And so that 300 and above price range is seeing that right now. They're seeing a normal market. They're seeing a balanced market. Um, but it's getting hard to describe that. It's getting hard to describe to people that yes, your home is, you have way less of a buyer pool. And that's because people in that, you know, 300 and above aren't really wanting to pay the interest rate. Mm -hmm. It all comes down to affordability. So you have a higher price and a higher, you know, interest rate. Well, people can't afford both. You have to, it's one or the other. And so um, the market's weird right now. Oh, it's very weird. Very, very weird. Oh yeah. I wanted to ask you talking about two different pools on the 300 plus, is there whenever you go to list a house, are you do you have to market it any different than under three hundred? So I wouldn't say you market in market any different 
but I would say you do prepare your seller a little differently. You prepare them for seller concessions. You prepare them prepare them to know that they're going to be negotiating inspections. Um, you prepare them to know that you know you may get a, a few showings a week, and it may take a couple weeks. Um, we are we are advertising our three hundred and above that higher price range out of state a little bit more as far as paid advertising, uh, just because we don't have that buyer pool here. Yeah. So we have to source it somewhere else. Um, so, you know, doing paid advertising out of state for that 300 and above brings us more buyers. Um, and we hope that we can get our seller an offer a little bit quicker. So that's kind of... That makes sense. Yeah, they're kind of marketed the same. But... I gotcha. First-time homebuyers are hard right now. And that, re- that, that has kind of been the case the past couple years, you know. There are you can you can make as many creative loan programs as you want. You can do as many zero percent down programs as you want. But with a competitive market like we have, um, those first time home buyers they're 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 suffering. You know you can't you can't write an offer um, USDA or FHA or you know a write at home program or any sort of zero percent down and expect to compete against all cash investors. Oh yeah, um, people that are putting fifty percent down on their home. You just can't compete. And so that is struggling. So for my first time home buyers, I kind of, I, I let them know like, hey, look, like you need to make sure that you're clear whenever we enter this market that you may not get the perfect home. Like there may be a perfect home pop up and that's not going to happen. Um, we've had one together where she's approved up to 150, but I'm like, hey, we need to be shopping down in the 130s, 125s, because that's where we need to be in order to compete. Uh, we can't be shopping at the top of your price range because it just you you that can't compete. And so, yeah, first time home buyers are struggling, and with the lower interest rates, we had so many investors enter the market oh, yeah. that they bought everything. We are, yeah, it was it's scary the amount of investors that purchased in twenty twenty one and twenty twenty two, and that's just not big fish investors. That's you know first time investors, second time investors. Uh, people that wanted to build their real estate portfolio took advantage of the 2021, 2022 market. And so they, they are starting to build up and own a large of our, a large portion of our inventory. Oh yeah. And so that's kind of scary to think, how is that going to, how is that going to flip whenever, you know, we start looking at inventory in five years, 10 years. So it's investors that are holding on to those rentals uh, we aren't going to, those, those aren't people moving anymore. Those are people that are holding investments and holding real estate. And so it's scary to think. And so while we're on that topic, we can kind of touch on how, how we kind of got to our inventory problem that we're in now. Um, right now we have about 600 homes on mark on the market. Um, and in a balanced market, you have about in a balanced market in our area, you have about four to five months worth of inventory on the market at all times. Right now, we have six hundred homes on the market, and last month we put four hundred nineteen under contract. So That's that crazy. tells you, yeah, crazy. <laughs> that tells you if you do the math, we have about one and a half months worth of inventory. That tells you that if no one listed their home tomorrow, we could sell out a real estate in a month and a half. That's wild to think about. And all of, you know, I believe that's Green Christian and Webster stats. Um, 
So that's kind of where that buyer buying supply demand is coming in. It's like we have way too many buyers and we have not enough homes. So it, it was scary to see how many investors were buying, how many out of state investors were buying. And what's that gonna what is that gonna do to our inventory in five to ten years? Um, so we kind of dug in and saw where did we get to this problem? Uh, and we figured out that that kind of stems from new construction. Um, we pulled some numbers here and in about 2005, 2006, we were at an all time high and we were about 20 to 23% of the homes on market were new construction. People were building, building, building. Well, after the crash, obviously that scared some people. Oh yes. (laughs) Um, and builders just stopped building. They just absolutely stopped building. So in 2009, 2010, we were on a nine to 7% of homes were new construction. And right now we're around 8% of homes are new construction. And so if you just see that, you know, the, we're missing about from 2010 to now, we're missing about 10,000 10, homes worth of new construction that should have been built. Um, so if you, if you take a look at that and you think of inventory, why don't we have inventory? And it's a large portion of it's because oh, they stopped factor. building. Yeah. You know, like we should have 10,000 new construction homes that are 10 years old. Yeah. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. And so those are things that would resell and people would, you know, move in, move out, and it would create inventory in our market. And we're lacking that right now. We're That has hurt us a ton. And it'll be many, 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 many years before we see that inventory come back. Um, so we can talk a little bit about the inventory in markets right now. We pulled our first quarter... Market update. Um, in January, it looks like we sold 329 homes. February was 393 homes. And March was 479 homes. So it sold a total of 1,200 uh, in three months. And we have 600 homes on the market. So once again, a month and a half worth of inventory. Um, our, our median sales price is 246 right now. And so compared to last year... Our median sales price was 249. So we still haven't really come off that price. We've seen about a 3% decrease, I would say. Um, and they people say that's all we're going to see. And that par- partially comes back to supply and demand. We just oh, yeah. can't. There's way too many buyers for our, our market, and that creates the prices to go up. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, I- um, and I feel like the prices are just going to keep going up. I don't see them coming down anytime soon. Do you? No, no, <laughs> no. Um, we had kind of talked that, you know, real estate is highs and lows, highs and lows, highs and lows. And right now I, I feel like we're in our low. Oh yeah. Um, we kind of saw oh, yeah. a high last year and I feel like we're in our low, but I think that we're going to start climbing back up that high. Oh, yeah, I think so. Early, early, early 2024, late 2023. So I think that we're, you know, going to be back on the increase before we, you know, expect to be. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, Do you think between now and then, since we are in a low, things are a little bit slower? Do you think we're going to see more agents kind of get away from the business? Yeah. So like I said, you know, it's really it's really making real estate your craft, your business, your full-time career. And so as the real estate market goes up, the number of agents trails behind it. So as the real estate market goes up, 
this person says I want to be an agent, this person says I want to be agent, this person says I want to be an agent. As it comes down, this person says I can't afford to be an agent, I can't afford to be an agent, and it's because they don't know what they're doing necessarily. Um, and so they have to jump ship pretty quick. We're 1099 employees. We're commission-based. If you don't know what you're doing, you don't know how to prospect, you don't know how to run a transaction, you can't afford to be on the boat. So as the market goes down, realtors jump ship, jump ship. And now that we're at our bottom, we're going to see a lot of people jumping ship. As soon as this starts going up, there's going to be a sweet spot between being at our low and having a large market share of buyer sellers per agent. And as we're going up, it'll take a little bit for people to catch on and be like, oh, the market's hot again. I want to be a realtor. Um, so that's kind of where the full-time agents, the people in it to win it, that's where they really find success is in that, you know, bottom fourth, the half of our way up in our roller coaster. So I'm excited for it. Oh, yeah. yeah so I basically think, what you're saying is you need to stay in the business. Yes. <laughs> hey, I'm not leaving the business anytime soon. So, uh, but yeah, I'm excited for 2023. I think it's going to be a great year. We've already had a crazy start to the year. Oh, yes. The spring market is here. Um, there's no doubt in that. I feel like I've been working 14 to 16 hour oh, days. Yes. yes. I'm right there with you. Every day. And... Uh, but it's good. I mean, yeah, I'm excited for the end of 2023. I'm excited for the summer. Oh, yeah. And, uh, the oh, yeah. I think uh, rates, they've came down a little bit, not a ton. But yeah. I feel like it's so far been enough to kind of kickstart the spring market. Um, yeah. It's Rates went down just a bit, and it seemed like as soon as that happened, things just kind of exploded. Yeah. Well, it was such a hectic time to be in real estate in quarter four of 2022, and the beginning of this year because we saw that shift in interest rates. So one week, interest the second the interest rates dropped underneath 6%, everybody wanted to see a home. So, you know, you were talking to your lender and you were prepared for them to tell you like, hey, interest rates are going to drop soon. That's what we predict. Start showing homes now. Like tell your buyers that are scared of the interest rate, start looking at homes now and prepare to write. Um, because the second that interest rates drop underneath 6 everybody wanted to see a home. The second that they went above six, everybody went back, you know, <laughs> into the dark corner. And so uh, that was a, a once again, a roller coaster, but that was a quick roller coaster. It was like up, down, I want to see a home. I'm not, I'm not going to text you back. I'm going <laughs> to see a home again. I don't want to text you back because I'm scared and I want to see a home again. So um, definitely it, made things challenging trying yeah. to, I mean, like, like you said, people came and go came and went so many times and it just it well, was tough to keep up with everyone and and just back to that setting the expectation in this market that you should be shopping underneath your you know your your approved value just because the second interest rates change we come back to affordability and you can afford the home that was priced at 150 so i'm sure you guys were getting calls like crazy in quarter 4 of Hey, can you check on my buyer? Can right. you make sure my buyer can still afford this? Yep. Because oh, people yes. were writing contracts on homes. The realtors that weren't aware of how a market works and how interest rates work were just writing contracts based on a pre-approval, you know, that they already have. And you had to, you know, tell your buyer, like, hey, check with your lender. Because a month's worth of a pre-approval can be two different stories. Oh, yeah. And so we were seeing people get go under contract on a home and then have to mutually mutually release because they can't afford it anymore. 
And so that was, I'm sure, tough for you guys to have to tell people like, oh, yeah, hey, interest rates did go up and now you're, you know, your price points down 20 grand. Exactly. Um, exactly. We were, um, we were actually, every time rates did take that jump, we run numbers for everyone that we had pre-proven looking and um, we'd have to call them and let them know, hey, unfortunately, I know you're looking at this price point, but right now with where rates are, it's just, you just don't qualify there. And that, of course, you have a realtor that's already shown them multiple mm-hmm. houses. They have their mindset that, you know, that's the price range they want to be in and now they don't qualify. So that was, was not a fun conversation. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, it's so, um, it's so common for a realtor to try and push what their buyer can afford. Uh, and I, I like to say, I'm not a lender. I'm not going to do your job. You're not a realtor. You're not going to do my job. And so, you know, if anybody was like, well, let's go look at this one. It's five grand over, over our budget. Let's go look at it. And unless it was 10 days on market, we weren't looking at that sucker because that's smart. That's there's smart. no shopping at the top of your, your budget in this market. It's just not smart. It shouldn't be something that you're, you're doing. Um, That's my opinion. Oh, I agree. I agree. There are so many agents that just, hey, what what does so and so qualify for? You tell them two fifty, and then, well, I showed them a house for two sixty. Can can we do that? Why would you show them? (laughs) No, we cannot do that. Um, And it's tough, and it creates competitive competitivity in our market. You know, you have to call and tell someone they can't afford it anymore, and now they have a lender on their back door that doesn't see anything below the surface so that they're giving them a different number. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. And you've already dove into it. You know what they can afford. But since you had to call and tell them no, now they're they they're going to their back door and looking at the other lender that's telling them yes. Yep. Uh, and that could quickly turn into a no. Oh, yeah. Um, we don't suffer that so bad on our end. Yeah. Um, we lo- I remember we saw a lot of people kind of coming and going. They... I told them, no, you can't qualify for this. Someone else said yes. And then a few weeks later, they come back. We went under contract. It didn't work out. We want to move forward with you again. So um, we saw that a lot. That was a pretty common thing, which, um, again, it's not ideal, but um, it's just part of the business, I guess. Yeah. But. Yep, yep, yep. Well, this market is for sure crazy. Oh, yes. For sure going to stick with it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. How are things going with your team? You the a- team is good. Um, the team is very supportive. Uh, Staying busy still? Yeah. Yeah, we stay or- busy. And one thing I do like about my team is that since I have been a new agent, um, it's allowed me to stay on the ship a little bit easier. Uh, whenever independent agents enter the market, um, they don't have as much support. Yeah. And so what we say with our team is that um, we're all very, very good at our jobs. We can all do our jobs alone, um, but we're better together. It's something yeah. that, you know, if we can all create a, you know, a collaboration and work together, we're that much stronger as we dive through these crazy markets. And so it's been good. It's yeah. been good. But larger teams, yeah, you know, because we're a small team, um, larger teams are seeing that coming and going of agents. You know, an yeah. agent jumps on the team, they jump off the team. They jump on the team, they jump off the team. Um, I know a couple large teams that are seeing a lot of turnover. Do you think so, there's any reason for that? I think it just comes back to the people entering the market uh, 
because it's a crazy market and anybody with a pulse can sell a home. And then it becomes a little hard and it becomes a little difficult. And whenever things become hard and difficult in today's world, people jump off the ship. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And so it's really just staying in it, knowing that, you know, the market is an up and a down throughout the year and um, just staying in it. Yeah. And so would you, if someone was thinking about getting licensed, would you recommend them never starting with a team? <laughs> Start with a team or just kind of try solo or what would your thoughts be on that? Yeah, I get that question a lot because I'm on a team. So anybody on a team gets the question of, should I join a team? Yeah. And... I'm very blessed at where I'm at that we have a very good structure and we have a very good pay split. Um, But a lot of teams aren't like that. A lot of teams are taking a 50-50 pay split or even lower than that sometimes on the list side. That's crazy. And so we get agents that approach our team that are doing double the volume that I'm doing in sales, but they're making a quarter of the money that I'm making. And so... My perspective on teams is that if you are from here and you have a sphere and you can build it and you can work it and you know that like this is your job, like this is what you're doing, you're going to prospect, you're going to build a career, do it independent, um, you know, keep your commission, hire a TC after you've figured out your compliance and your, how to work a deal uh, and rock it out alone. Now, you do see a lot of people that aren't from here that have lived here for six months, a year, they enter the market um, and they're independent and they wonder why they fail. And that's because there's so many realtors that if you don't know someone, if your family doesn't live here, if you didn't go to school here, it's very hard to be competitive in this market as a realtor because you're going up to somebody and you're saying, will you please use me as a realtor? And in their head, they know 10 realtors. They know 12 realtors. And so... That's tough. So for that person, for that realtor that is new to the area, wants to become a realtor, yes, join a large team. Get in there, get your feet wet, get leads, you know, get on an inorganic lead system, uh, lead generation, go show homes, go open up doors, uh, write contracts, go do it, build a sphere, build a book of business. uh, And then two years, you know, go out on your own. Most team leaders will respect that. Oh, yeah. Um, Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, it's kind of just the growing of a realtor, so. Yeah, yeah. No, that makes a lot of sense. Is there whenever, which I don't know whenever you got licensed, if you spent much time talking to different agents or different brokers or you just went straight to Murney? Or Yeah, so I'm not from here, but I went straight into Murney um, because I knew another realtor at Murney. And I was independent for about eight months. I had two sales one just happened to be a Facebook message that I totally thought was a scam. And I was like, this lady does not want to use me as a real, like she's kidding. And I'm like, this lady probably wants my my bank account info. <laughs> uh, and so, but I messaged her back and it was like, yeah, we, we saw you on Facebook. We, we found your account uh, and we're looking for a realtor. And that was actually our first deal together. And it happens to be that they Googled bilingual, and Gabby hates this, his wife. Gabby is a realtor. She's a bilingual realtor. And she hates this because they Googled bilingual bilingual realtors in Springfield, and I popped up. (laughs) And I swear I'm not illegally marketing myself or false advertising. I never claimed to be a realtor. Um, A bilingual realtor. Yeah. (laughs) I, I did. No, I am a realtor. I never claimed to be a bilingual realtor. 
And so, but it comes to find out two years later, I was talking to her and she was like, yeah, I searched bilingual realtors and you popped up. And I'm like, why did you guys never try to speak Spanish to me or like ask me if I spoke Spanish? And I guess it just never came up, but kudos to, you know, me, I'm, I'm, I'm fluent enough and I, uh, I'm good enough at my job that I can explain it to just about anyone. But, uh, yeah, no, I was independent for about eight months and I had two sales and it was tough. But that was also a COVID market. You know, everyone wore masks. You didn't go oh, to in-person yeah. trainings. You didn't show homes. It was illegal to hold an open house, I'm pretty sure. Uh, so I kind of saw a slow, 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 slow market, and everyone else did, so it felt normal. So that was good for me. No one was like, how many homes are you selling? Yeah. So yeah. I kind of got to hide hide uh, underneath the covers a little bit and pretend like I was just a little sick and I couldn't show a home. So. <laughs> Uh, yeah, that but works. I was definitely blessed to be able to join my team and, you know, get some leads, grow, you know, a business. And it's also good to have a good broker behind you. Oh, yeah. So whenever I first started, they taught me, like, if you can't, if you can't tell them how good you are, tell them how good your broker is. Um, you know, stand on, stand on your broker's feet if yeah. you have no business behind you. So it's good to be able to go in and say that we are a strong brokerage. We, you know, we do most of the market share here in Springfield. We're locally owned and um, good feet to stand on. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And it's a great company, yeah. obviously. But um, gosh, I forgot that our first deal was during COVID. I completely forgot yeah. about that. Yep. Um, it's different times. <laughs> very different times. Very different times. And then we closed another one quickly after that was a referral from that one. So I was oh, like, yeah. The gift that keeps on giving, it's this easy. My first client, and they're going to refer me to someone else, and I close them a home. Uh, little did I know it's a little bit harder than that. So, Oh, yes. I feel like in this business, there's always last-minute issues that come up that you just need to be prepared to handle anything that comes your way. Um, I think one of our deals... You're going to talk about it. I was going to call you out like this. Well, I figured it was coming. Okay. Yeah, it is. I'll tell the story. I'll tell the story. This I is was, my job. I was new at the time, too. Oh, so let's, okay. let's You're new, new, too. Okay. I dropped the ball on my side. Got it closed still, but I yeah. did drop the ball. Um, let's say the appraiser dropped the ball. Let's take, <laughs> let's take the weight off of both of our shoulders. The appraiser mischecked an appraisal. Uh, they they checked it as as is, good to go. Uh, we were running a, a government-backed loan, so whenever you have an FHA, a USDA loan, um, the appraiser goes out and they kind of just overview the home, the windows, you know, are there any cracked windows, is there overly aggressive chipping paint, and they make sure that uh, this is a good home to lend on through this program. And uh, unfortunately, our appraiser checked as is, good to go, and the home was not as is, good to go. Yep. And so it was about two days before closing, I had a seller that was also an agent. She was not very kind to me. Um, and she pretty much said it was a crazy market. It was COVID, you know, hustle market. And she pretty much said, I have two other cash offers that submitted an offer whenever you submitted an offer. And I know that they'll take this home if you guys fall through. Uh, so she said, I'm, I'm not going to move closing. I'm not going to budge. I'm not going to allow you guys to do these repairs unless you can get them done in two days. And we had probably eight items. Um, There's a few things. And I'm not a very handy man. And I know Kyle's not a very handy man either. 
But uh, we, that realtor pretty much said, one, two, three, go. And she said, get it done or, you know, you won't be at closing. And that was very interesting to me um, that that's how competitive the market was. But it was something that definitely built me as an agent, especially as a newer agent. And so I found a handyman. I hired him. He went out and got paint. Or I went out and chipped off a piece of the rotting wood for him and so he could get some paint. And uh, I went and bought fire detectors. I installed them myself. I, say, I think you did that. I, <laughs> I was standing on a paint can and, and I texted my buyer and I was like, I don't know if I'm doing this right. I was like, but we're just going to get this done. Um, we ordered, uh, Kyle and I ordered the, uh, the, the uh, handyman some pizza because he was out there at 8 o'clock at night, this this poor guy. And uh, we split the cost for the repairs because our buyer didn't have any money left after closing. And so, uh, but we got it done. That was a oh. victorious one. <laughs> oh, and uh, I told, quote unquote, I told Kyle to bring his boxing gloves to closing. <laughs> and I didn't know him. I didn't know Kyle. Uh, only closed one deal with him, didn't really know him. And I remember telling him I was going to fight him at closing. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. That's about all I had enough, pretty much. And how did you, I always wondered, how did you, I guess, make your way to me as a lender? Oh. Because hmm. I remember, I think you, can't remember if you messaged me on Facebook or if you texted me. And it was just out of the blue. You said you had a buyer that yeah. you needed to get pre-approved. Yeah, well, I definitely faked that I knew you, and I definitely faked that I thought you were good at the time. <laughs> I don't refer affiliates that I don't think are a plus now but uh, being new I was like I don't know anybody I've never I've never met a freaking lender to save a life and it was COVID I there was no networking groups or anything I didn't know a lender I didn't know an inspector and so I was like I'm just gonna google some people see if I can find some reviews and google some people and so I sent my buyer at the time a list of lenders and I was like he's the best <laughs> this man is the best in lending. Uh, it doesn't get much better. And so she used him. And now we're best friends. So oh, yes. That's, oh, yes. And now they actually have their own restaurant, yep. which is kind of cool. Yep, cool they see. have their own restaurant. We go in there. Um, you need to go more. Eat good. You need to go more. So, but yeah, that's kind of how we professionally met. Oh, yes. And then became workout buddies after that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. I didn't know he had a realtor wife or else I probably would have chose differently. It's not very good for the referrals. <laughs> uh, she wasn't a realtor at the time, though. She wasn't. She, was, she probably saw my success. Which I'm huh? trying to think. You guys are probably talking about me. And you're probably, we look at this guy, David. Like, look at this bilingual realtor. Yeah. You Half need to Hispanic. step it up. <laughs> you guys came after my market. <laughs> It's okay. It's okay. It all works out. Oh, yes. But I think that's all the time that we had for today. Was that right? Are we... Okay. Well... You're telling us we gotta go. <laughs> Thanks for watching, guys. Um, I guess that's it. 